Hey, uh, good morning. My name is Matt, one of the pastors here, and uh, I'm glad that you're here this morning. No ice. It's like a rainy spring day. Maybe winter's done. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Well, two weeks ago, I uh, kicked off the new year talking about the most important thing, and I gave you a principle, and that principle was God goes first, right? And I made these little statements. You hear me say them a lot, but God's not interested in being second place in your life. God's not interested in being your co-pilot, right? You've seen the bumper stickers, Jesus is my co-pilot. Jesus Jesus wants to fly the plane, right? He doesn't want to be your co-pilot. He has no interest in second place. And so I said, what does it look like for us to have this principle of God goes first? And I talked to us about what does it look like to carve out time every single day uh, for us to at least set that as our goal, to have a here on purpose time with the Lord. And so today I want to help, uh, I want to continue that conversation, but I I want you to help me define reality for you. I'm going to ask you to do something. It's not for my eyes. It's for your eyes only, right? And so you get to be as honest with yourself as you choose to be. But here's my uh, observation. You're at church on Sunday morning. You're probably seeking uh, some type of spiritual guidance in some way. And so let's define reality so that we can really talk about what God might have next in your life. Will you, will you commit to doing that? Again, you're not, I'm not going to see what you're about to do. It's just for you. And you can even write in code if you don't want your kids or spouse to see, right? Or the person sitting next to you because people are nosy in church, right? So... Here's what I want you to do. You'll see on your insert, you're going to need this. I don't want you to do it in your brain. I don't want you to do it in your head. I want you to write it down. Again, you can write in code, but I'm going to ask you a question, okay? Now, don't start writing until I explain what I want to do so you'll get it right. So listen to please all of the instructions. I want you to list out at least five, and you may not have any. I hope you do, but I would like for you to list out at least five of the most current things you talk, that you currently talk to God about. Now, I'm not calling it prayers because some of you let God have it about your ex-wife. And you don't call that prayer, but that's talking to God, right? And so I want to know what you currently talk to God about. Just write in code a phrase or so. And when I say currently, I'm talking about so far this year, four weeks into January 2017. What have you been talking to God about? I'm going to give you 45 seconds, right? Go. Okay, now, you didn't have to have five, right? And if you didn't have any, if you weren't able to think of anything that you've been talking to God about, I want to say I'm so glad you're here this morning, okay? And it is my hope that you start talking to God about your life, right? God's big enough to handle your problems. He's big enough to handle your fears. He's, he's wise enough to handle your mistakes. Like, just bring all of your cares to the Lord because He cares for you. Some of you may need more than five spaces, I don't know, right? But I asked you to write down your top five, okay? And I saw a lot of you guys doing that. So here's what I want you to do now. I'm going to give you one of three letters, okay? 
And I'm going to give you a description, and I need you to assign a letter. You can use it more than once, of course, to each of your topics that you gave, okay? Here are the three options. When you look at your list, if what you talk to God about is something that happened in your past, a past separation, a past hurt, a past whatever, I want you to write the letter P beside that. If, it's, if you talk to God about things that are going on right now, like it, you're currently going through a divorce, right now you're in a job transition, like it's happening as we speak, right? You're in this season. I want you to write in for now. And if it, you talk to God about things that have yet to happen, maybe you would call it your dreams or your hopes, I want you to write F beside that topic. So P for past, N for now, F for the future. All right, can you do that for me? Everyone, every single topic needs to be assigned. Again, we're defining reality. Your reality. Now, the third thing. If when you look at your list, you would say that any, whether it's past, now, or future, you would say that is actually something that I probably worry about more than I pray about, I want you to write W beside it. That it's more of a worry than a prayer, right? That I find myself freaking out over whatever this is, not really praying and talking to God if I was to be completely honest with it. I worry more than I pray. A W beside that thing. Okay, now... Why did I have you do that? Here's my observation um, as just talking with you folks, saying hi to you, how's your day, what's going on? This is my observation, and I may be way off, and if I am, thank you for the grace, right? But my observation is, if you were to look at your list, there's probably going to be more P's and N's than there are F's. Take a look at your list. That a lot of the time, when we pray, we talk to God about things that have already happened, or we talk about things that are currently going on, happening right now, and rarely do we talk to God about tomorrow. Do we talk to God about where we're going? And one of the things that I, I want to encourage you as you continue into this 2017, a brand new year, is where do you have your eyes fixed? Is, are your eyes fixed on the problem, or are your eyes fixed on God's solution? Are your eyes fixed on the past hurt that continues to keep you in this rut of life, in a rut of fear and sadness, depression, hurt? Or have you shifted your eyes to what God has called you towards? This isn't hocus pocus stuff, folks. I believe that you will get exactly to what you're praying for. And I'm going to show you that in just a moment in the scripture. Where have you fixed your gaze? Do you, do you kind of do life in that rearview mirror? Where you say you're kind of like Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. Remember that guy? Some of you are like, what are you talking about, right? Uncle Rico, man, coach would have put me in, we'd have won state. Right? He just lives in the, lived in the future. His life would be so different if things would have changed. What do you think about and what do you talk about when you talk about God? I want us to pay attention this morning to actually what Jesus said. I got a lot of thoughts on this. I, I love the idea of talking to God about your tomorrow. Here's what I found, because I talked about worry. I found in my life, in the things in my life that have created worry, I would describe it like this. And think about maybe a crisis or a deep hurt. But when I think about what happened in the past, honestly, it makes me cry. Because I can't change it. I messed it up. I wasn't there. Something happened and something went down that I would have never chosen to have happened. And when I think about that, it makes me cry. But yet when I think about the future... On that issue, I have a lot of anxiety because I don't know what's going to happen. And I begin to assign 
activities and thoughts and, and emotions that I don't know that are going to be there. And so when I look to the past, I have tears. And when I look to the future, man, I really begin to freak out with anxiety because I just don't know what's going to happen. And so in that situation, man, I just have to live right now in the day. And I have to be as God honoring with that past hurt and that crisis and just to trust God every single day with this very tender spot in my heart. Does that make sense for some of us? Man, some of us were dwelling on something that happened and it created so much pain. But man, it, that, that is messing you up. And you're like, okay, man, I'm just going to focus on the future. Well, then we start freaking out over what's going to happen, or what might happen. And we don't know. We don't know. Man, in that, in that case, man, just today, zero in on the Father's love for you. I want to take us to the scripture now. And Jesus actually talked to us a lot about what we talk to God about. And so I'm going to, now when you read the Gospels, if you read the New Testament, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But when you read the heading in your Bible, it should say, you know, the Gospel according to Matthew, the Gospel according to Luke, the Gospel according to John, the Gospel according to Mark. That should be how it says. And so there's not four Gospels, right? If you're kind of new to Scripture, there's one Gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ told by four different people. And so I want to share with you today a conversation that is recorded in Matthew chapter 6 and also Luke chapter 11 in your Bibles. And there is a ton, ton of great insight here that Jesus says. So uh, this is all Jesus' words, right, that we're about to hear from, the one who died for us, the one who rose again, the one who said he is coming for us. And so when the king speaks, our ears should perk up and we should listen and align our lifestyles to what he says. Some of you in the room are spiritually frustrated because you're keep in your prayers, you're asking God to change his ways to accommodate your life and your decisions. And that is not how God chooses to be God. God doesn't bend for the, to make our life easier. He asks us to shift our life to align with what he's already doing in his ways. And so some of you right away, you're like, oh, that's all I needed to hear. I can go home. My whole prayer, my whole prayers this week have been trying to get God to change what God does to make my life easier. Well, I hate to be the one to bring the bad news, but God doesn't do that. He says, man, follow me. I don't follow you. That's the invitation, right? But look what happens here in Luke 11 and Matthew 6. I took both of these conversations and I put them together so we could kind of see what Jesus said. It was the same conversation recorded by two different guys. We're going to start here. Once uh, Jesus was in a certain place praying... And as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and asked, Lord, teach us to pray just as John, which is talking about John the Baptist, John taught his disciples. And Jesus said, right, whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray while standing in synagogues and on street corners so that people can see them. What's a hypocrite? Real quick. Tell your neighbor what a hypocrite is. Everybody knows this. Tell your neighbor. What's a hypocrite? Your one chance to talk in church. Go for it. Come on, you, I know you've called somebody a hypocrite before in your life, right? A hypocrite is a person who says one thing and does another, right? And so Jesus says, do not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray while standing in the synagogues and on street corners so that people can see them. Truly, I say to you, they have the reward. Now, we don't really, in our context, uh, we don't really have synagogues and street corners. That's not how we, how we go about it. We are Facebook Christians, and uh, social media Christians, and we're going to tell you how spiritual we are by our recent post. Now, we're not going to go by it in our day-to-day life, but we think this is great for the world to hear, right? Oh, my goodness. I hope somebody likes this comment, and we, we, we feel more spiritual with more likes and more shares. And God says, hey, congratulations. That's your reward. You've got 12 people to like this. I am so proud of you. Way to go. 
If you listen closely, you can hear him clap. Okay. <laughs> All right. But when, okay, so he says, don't do that. Look what Jesus tells us. But whenever you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray for your father in secret. Pray to your father in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, do not babble on and on and on like the Gentiles, because they think that their many words will be heard. God has excellent hearing. Okay? You saying it more doesn't make it more spiritual. You saying it more doesn't have any weight in convincing God that you need to win that lottery. That's not how it works, right? But then again, in a second, you're going to see where he says, keep asking and keep knocking. Doesn't it get kind of confusing? Let's continue. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Just in that one passage. Man, what's God maybe saying to you this morning? Do you pray in a secret place? For me this morning, I found myself um, sitting at Starbucks thinking about, and I'm like, I'm actually doing opposite of what I'm teaching this morning, right? And there wasn't hardly anybody in there, but I've got my Bible open and I've got this insert. And I'm reading these scriptures because it's a great devotion. And I just like, I feel like a hypocrite, right? Because like, do I want to, and it's not my heart or my motivation, but are, do I come across as more spiritual because I got my Bible open, all right? So I just got in my Jeep, drove around the property there, found a place and parked, and uh, nobody could see me except for the cop that drove by and looked at me weirdly, right? <laughs> Anyway, so don't pray publicly for attention. Don't feel like you have to babble on. And notice, this is one of the few times in scriptures where Jesus answers the question, not in a parable. He just simply gives them the answer. Pray this way. And so, man, this is so clear. Like, if you're like, I don't know how to pray. Well, great. Jesus just simply answers the question. And look what he says here. So pray this way. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we ourselves have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. How many of you guys kind of knew that prayer already? You already knew that answer. Yeah, it's something, if you grew up in church, this is something you learned as a little kid, the Lord's Prayer. I think actually a better word for that is the disciples' prayer. Because this is what Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. And it's to pray this way. Can I just give you a few insights on this, just to kind of maybe, uh, maybe shine the light on some, on some verbiage that Jesus uses. First, look how Jesus asks us to approach God. Oh, high and mighty exalted one who we can only approach. No, Father. Father. Now, that word right there will lead some of you to approach God in a specific way right away. Because some of you have a great relationship with your dad. Some of you don't. And so I would just ask you, when you come to God as Father, however you approach that will give you some insight on maybe something that God needs to walk you through. Like if there's trust issues with God, and you read words like, you are good, you are good, oh, you are good, you are good, or you hear the song, you're a good, good Father, if somewhere in your mind you're like, yeah, but not really. Only if I'm a good guy. Only if I'm doing the right things, then yeah, you're good. But if I get out of line, I know you're going to get me. Like if that's in you, man, you you got to peel the layers back on that and it's going to hurt. And you've got to step into why do I attribute that to God, what he did. Man, it's a wound. 
And it's that spiritual healing that I would encourage you to step into. Honestly, I'd love to talk to you and pray with you and encourage you through that. And I know that's a very private thing, so here's all I tell you to do. If that's you, and you're like, Matt, when you said that, I knew God was talking to me. You grab a Connect card at some point today, and you write Father on the bottom, and you give me your information, and you can drop it in an offering at some point, either publicly or privately, and I'll, I'll get in touch with you this week, and we'll find a way to talk, and, and, and we'll, we'll just kind of see. We'll have an assessment of where you are and maybe what's a good next step for you if approaching God as Father is just a chore and a burden for you. If you don't trust God, maybe because of some other things. But that's how Jesus tells us to approach, is that we get to talk to God like we get the opportunity to talk to our Father. Me and my dad, we, we have a good relationship. We didn't when I was in my teenage years. When I was about 16, I thought my dad was a moron, right? It's amazing how much smarter he is when I'm almost 40, right? It's crazy. And for Christmas this year, I'm like, Dad, what do you want for Christmas? He goes, I just want my oldest, my firstborn to call me about two times a week. That's what he said. So I'll call him. Hey, Dad. Hey, Merry Christmas. That's what I say. And we talk. All right. But Jesus says, our Father, and where is he? In heaven, right? Hallowed be your name. May your name be honored. Like there's this attitude when you pray that, first of all, you kind of give God his props. In our context, I call this the wow, right? Brag on God. Tell God why he is high and lifted up. Tell God why he is set apart. Tell God why he is so fantastic. Don't just get to your stuff, right? Jesus says he already knows that. Give a minute to get your mind right on who you're talking to. This is the the one who created all things, and he lets you call him daddy. That's pretty significant. Man, Father, you are high, and may your name be honored. Now, here we go. After we do the wow, Jesus says this. Pray this. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Every king has a kingdom. At New City Church, we teach you all the time that I understand that you're here probably because you've already come to the point where you confess Jesus as your Messiah, your Savior, the one who died on the cross and resurrected for your sins. Like I'm guessing that most of you are, yes, man, I'll take a bullet for that. I, I am confident that Jesus came, he lived, he died, and he resurrected. But at the same time, that same group of people struggles a great deal with the fact that he's also the Lord of, the, of your life. Peter says that this man, talking to those in the crowd that day, said, this man whom you crucified is both Messiah and Lord. He's the boss. He's the leader. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if he's your Messiah, you also have to begin to step under this authority that he has and that he has a kingdom and his kingdom has principles that some of us are going to be so surprised by the behavior of the saints when we get to get the city of God. Oh my gosh, you guys do that here? Don't be surprised. We get to practice, right? Jesus says, pray that your kingdom come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. How does that begin to happen? Is that God's responsibility? Sure. Is it your responsibility? Absolutely. As the people of God, we get to be conduits of God's kingdom and God's love. Like We we rest under the kingdom of God and then we do for others exactly what God has done for us, right? We receive it and then we give it. And so if you're out under the, under the headline of I'm a Christian, but yet you live opposite of the way of the king, what does that say about you? You're a hypocrite. And that's what Jesus said not to be. Amen? Do you see how they all connect? 
And man, some of us this year, it's not about praying harder or crying more when you pray. It's simply aligning your life to the words of Scripture. It's simply saying, Lord, I've been talking to you for 10 years about one thing. And this one thing I've realized today is this. I'm simply not doing what you've asked me to do in that one thing. And for 10 years, I've been asking you to change so that I wouldn't have to be obedient to you in this one thing. Man, there's freedom in obedience. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, notice what happens next. Jesus is so smart, does statement, right? He's so wise. He talks about these things. He says, give us today our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we ourselves have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Look at the things Jesus mentions. Here's the 30,000 foot view. You ready? He talks about provision, your daily bread. He talks about your personal spiritual stuff, right? And forgive us our debts, right? Like, listen, he is your Lord, but he's also your Messiah, your Savior, because, man, we come to the throne sometimes messed up, jacked up, and dirty. He is our Savior. I don't care how good you're trying to be into that Lordship of Jesus. Listen, we need a Savior. Amen? And, man, Jesus, thank you for the grace that you show my life when I get out of your will. Man, thank you. So forgive us of our debts. He talks about our own spiritual stuff. And then he says, what's next? As we ourselves have forgiven our debtors. Those relationships, those horizontal relationships that we have. So provision, our spiritual stuff, how we deal with people around us. And then that whole thing about um, the temptation. And do not lead us in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Our daily walk into the obedience of Jesus. Provision, spiritual stuff, relationships, and our simple daily walk. Jesus says, give that to the Lord every time that you pray. I want you to notice our rhythm at New City, how we're going to encourage you to read the scriptures. Wow. Brag on God. Now, tell God about your life, the good, the bad, the ugly, the provisions, your spiritual stuff, your relationships, your temptations. Just give it to the Lord. And then, uh, then the, the, the how. What is God saying to you, right? May your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. God, help me, help me get my provisions in line with what you say about stuff. God, let me get my spiritual life in line with what you say about forgiveness. God, let me get my relationships in line with what you say about people. God, let me get my, my, uh, my temptations and the things that tend to trip me up. Like every day, Sarah has to process this. I had Charlie in the back. Charlie said to me, he said, you know, 100 days may not seem like a lot to some of you people, but when you're a person who's trying to overcome addiction, 100 days is a really long time. Right, Sarah? And you're doing it. And every day, Sarah has to approach the Father. It's like, man, that temptation, that big one that's in my way, do not lead me there. And may your will, just as it is on earth, reign in my life. Do you see that? So when you pray, brag on God. Tell God about your life. And then look to his word to see what you would do. That's how Jesus teaches us to pray. If all you do is brag on God and then tell God your life, and you never align your life to what God says, I, have to, I hate to break this to you, but you're never going to change. And you're going to be a frustrated spiritual person because, man, I pray all the time, but nothing seems to change. And God's like, I know, I'm waiting on you to align to my ways, to my word. Now, notice what Jesus says next. This goes right into it. He finishes that little disciple's prayer, the Lord's prayer. And then he says, this is huge. Okay, so some of you, it's just a baby crying. We've heard it before. Don't be distracted on this because this is massive. For if you forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, 
your father will not forgive you for your sins. You got to sit in that. How I wish Jesus qualified this. If they did these 10 things, you have to forgive them. If they did these four, you could hang on to it and be bitter and hateful and mad for the rest of your life. But he doesn't. Child molester to the person who cut you off in traffic. Jesus says, forgive them. Woo! Lord, come on. Come on. That's a, that's, come on, Jesus, that's different. As I have forgiven you, you are to forgive others. See, Jesus says, when you're asking God's will from heaven to earth, and we receive that as people who confess Jesus as our Messiah and as our Lord, he says, you don't get to be greedy with that. And as you received it, for all the junk that I've done, and man, I don't want to show you my list, and I don't want to see yours, right? Because when we're honest with ourselves, some of us in this room have done some really crappy things. But somehow, somehow we don't recognize that to the offense that's done towards us from someone else. And Jesus just kind of puts the ball back in our court, and he says, here's the thing. I'm going to forgive you for all of your stuff, not most, all. When I went to the cross, I went to the cross for all of it. And I need you to show the same forgiveness to your brothers and your sisters, to your neighbors, as I'm showing to you. There's no conditions this way, so there can't be any conditions this way. And for some of us, what I just shared is really hard to hear because you have deep hurts. And can I just look you in the eye and say, me too. Oh, but Matt, your hurts aren't like my hurts. You want to bet? You want to bet? Take me to coffee. Bear your soul, I'll bear mine. I'm just saying, sometimes really bad things happen in your life. Right? And the enemy wants you to stay so focused on that thing that you can't move from that thing because he knows that thing has the power. As much pain and hurt as it created in your life, it has the power to be the catalyst that propels you to the very thing that God has called you and created you for. And it echoes what old Joseph said way back in Egypt when he saw his brothers that sold him into slavery. What you intended for evil, God has repurposed for much good. So, old devil, I know you thought you were going to use this to break me, to break Matt Miller, to break those of us in this crowd. But the truth is, God is just taking that and he's just spinning it around and he's pointing it in the right direction. And now that fuels me for the grace that you've shown me. And man, I am more powerful for the kingdom because I say, bring it on, devil, because is that the best you got? I'm dangerous, and so are you. And the enemy knows you're dangerous, and that's why he wants to keep that little thing right here. Because if it's that close, you can't see nothing else. But if you will look at it through the lens of Jesus and what he's doing and what he's done, and that he's a good, good father, and even when junk happens in your life, God is going to purpose. Listen, God doesn't intend for the junk. God's not a Mr. Clean Magic Eraser who comes and erases it from your life like it never happened. You don't ever think about it. No, he's like that spiritual gorilla glue. And he takes all the brokenness of your life and he puts it back together to this beautiful mosaic. And when people see it and when people hear it and when people view it, they go, wow, look what God has done. And you know it because you are that mosaic. I am that mosaic. Step into forgiveness, folks, and watch how Jesus powers your life in that.
continue on. When you fast, I know some of you in this room are fasting. I want to encourage you in this. Do not look solemn like the hypocrites, those who do one thing and say one thing and do another. For they make their faces unattractive so that people will see them fasting. I tell you the truth, um, they have the reward. When you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others when you are fasting, but only to your Father who is, in, who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Notice those first three words, when you fast. There is an expectation from Jesus that we fast when you pray and when you fast, that we are a fasting people. It's not a super spiritual thing. It's just gotten lost in our tradition. But fasting was a very simple rhythm in the early church, right? Continue on to the other side. Some of you may want to check your email at this point because Jesus is going to talk to you about money, all right? (laughs) Some of you got, well, you guys talk about money too much in church. Well, you would have really hated Jesus because he talked about money all the time next to the kingdom of God. Did you know that? That's the second most thing he talked about. You know why? Because money jacks you up. Here is what he says. Do not accumulate for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but accumulate for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. This next part can seem confusing, but I'm going to try to help. The eye is the lamp of the body. If then your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is diseased, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What is Jesus saying there? He's not giving you a a rhyme or a riddle. If you think your pursuit is a good pursuit, but lined up to Scripture, it's not a good pursuit, you're chasing the wrong thing, calling it the right thing, and how dangerous that is. We can spiritually spend things in our life to do what we want to do and never taking it to what God says, and then when we get the outcome, we get mad at God because it's not what we thought it would be. Be careful that what you're looking at and what you're putting your gaze on, fixing your focus on, is not truly your own selfish motivations, your own selfish desires, and you're really pursuing darkness and calling it the light. That's what he's saying. No one can serve two masters. No one. Not some people can and others can't. Not the smart people can, but the dumb people can't. He says no one can serve two masters, for either you, he will or she will hate the one and love the other. Or she will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Don't try to change the context. Oh, well, he's talking about, you know, working two jobs. And you're going to like one job more than the other job. Or it's dating two girls. You're going to like one girl more than the other girl. You know, because girls are our masters. You know, no, it's not what he's saying. He's talking about you and your pursuit of wealth or your pursuit of the kingdom. And how you may want to say, oh, I'm going the same way. I'm just got to be careful. You can't serve two masters goes on. Therefore, I tell you, here we go. I had you write down the W by the worry, right? Man, listen to Jesus's words. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink or about your body. Amen. What you will wear. (laughs) As I put on this shirt this morning, I thought the buttons were going to pop off. (laughs) Isn't that's why I have the vest. Isn't there more to life than food and more to the body than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you more valuable than they are? And which of you, by worrying, can even add one hour to his life? Why do you worry about clothing? Think about how the flowers of the field grow. They do not work or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his glory was clothed like one of these. And if this is how God clothes the wild grass which is here today and tomorrow is tossed into the fire to heat the oven, won't he clothe you even more, you people of little faith? Now, some of you, 
will say, well, I don't know if I believe that God really creates flowers. Because, you know, and so you kind of go on your, which is fine for you to think that, but just remember who's speaking. It's Jesus. The one who the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God, like Jesus, like you can't say, well, Jesus is speaking about this. And he just attributes that his father is the one who creates the flowers and designs the flowers and makes them beautiful. That God created. And man, as beautiful as the flowers are, Right, they're here today and gone tomorrow. And if he will do all of that, what will he do for you? Continuing on. So then, don't worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the unconverted pursue these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But above all, some of your translations say, seek ye first. What does seek ye first mean? Or above all, what does that mean in priority order? Yeah, right? So this is a really important statement. It's Matthew 6.33, if you want to write that beside. This is a scripture that everybody at New City should have memorized because it's my favorite verse, all right? This is a verse that drives New City's uh, a lot of our theology on why we do what we do, right? This is a verse that's been in me for a long time on the church that I hope to plant because Jesus says, top priority, above all else, seek ye first. So we got to pay attention to what he says next because this is the first thing he says to pursue, Right? Pursue his kingdom and his righteousness, and all this other stuff will be given to you as well. So when you and I seek making God's will in heaven, our will on earth, when we align with God's purposes, all of these other things that you're striving for, God simply begins to bring into your life. But if you get outside of God's will, and you're making it your effort to go after all of these desires that you have, you're going to kill yourself getting them. And you're going to get to the end of your life, and you're going to go, wow, look at all my stuff, heartbeat stop, oh, and all your kids are going to blow it and spend it or sell it. We align ourselves to God's will, and we seek His kingdom. And we take all of God's blessings and all of God's goodness and all of God's forgiveness, and we begin to share that with everybody. Man, we receive it so that we can give it. And man, we are just kingdom agents all the time. That's why we serve our community. That's why we're good neighbors. That's why we're hardworking employees. Because, man, we live in the kingdom of God. We're practicing now what we will one way, one day do 24-7 all the time. We're not going to wait to get to heaven to start getting our life right. No way. We're going to start now. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. He'll give you everything you need. So then, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own. Amen? Who's got trouble today? Raise your hand. You ain't got enough life to worry about tomorrow. I want to finish with these two scriptures. And I want you to see God's goodness. Then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, go away. Right? Which is what we would say. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I'll tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking on his door, he'll get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, 
how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now, I asked you to write an F by certain things, because here's the thing. Sometimes you pray for something one time, but I found in my life, the thing that you pray for over and over and over again is what really has your heart. And don't give up on that. Don't give up on love. Don't give up on that career. Don't give up on that plan. If it's important to you, you will stay after it. If it's not, you'll move on to something else. And I think sometimes God is just curious and he's testing us to see, are we really sincere and serious about that thing that we're praying for? Or is it just the flavor of the month to you? And you're going to move on to something else because it's not that important. I don't know. I'm going to ask Curtis to come up. And uh, Curtis, here's what I'd like for you to do, not necessarily planned out. But could you just lead us in that last song? I've never heard it before. I thought it was so good right? And maybe do um, one of the verses in the chorus that you are good. And church, here's what I would encourage you to do, is I would just like for you to kind of begin to set a rhythm in your mind on how you're going to talk to God. I mean, a lot of scripture here, use this this week as a devotion, right? In your, in your secret time when you're going to find a quiet place to sit and pray and, and just begin to say, you know what, hey God, I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to talk, I'm going to start with the Lord's prayer and I'm going to brag on you. And then I'm going to talk to you about my life And then I'm going to align my life to your will. And just go for it. And when you find yourself worrying, read that section on worry. And when you find yourself freaking out about money, read that section about money. Just and when you read when you when you struggle with that person that comes to your mind when I talk about forgiveness, just read that section on forgiveness and align your life to God's perfect will. Now I'm going to pray, and I just want to invite you to kind of enter that. And here's here's kind of the, the, the mindset for me. We're going to start something today that we're going to continue on until next Sunday. And maybe you can make Rekindle next week. Maybe you can't. But we'll have worship in the morning too, right? What would it look like for you to come into church next week, prayed up seven days straight? What would your attitude be spiritually if for seven days you wowed and bragged on God and you told Him about your life and then you aligned your life to His will? How might you think your heart, mind, and spirit would be different approaching the songs of worship in the scripture that's going to be read over you next week. I think you might be surprised on how you connect with God on a different level. So Father, we come to you right now in prayer and we set our course over the next seven days to walk in a specific rhythm. And we're going to pray and we're going to seek you as best we can. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Curtis, would you lead us maybe in a verse or two?